it's been my experience with prayer that some people are like praying people and then some people are people people. And what I mean by that is I know some people and some of you are in this room. I'm looking at your faces. You're, you're praying people. I mean, you just love your, your quiet times in the morning. You, you love having a, a journal, your cup of coffee and no crying kids right? That's like heaven for you, right? You, that's just like a dream for you. You love that time just talking to God, hearing from God. Like you could do that for hours. And then yet on the other end of the spectrum in this room, and I'm looking at some of your faces, you're like, that doesn't sound like a dream to me. That sounds like my worst nightmare because I do not like being by myself. I get anxious. I want to be with people. I want to go, some of you men in the room, you're like, I want to go do, 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 do. I don't want to sit by myself and pray. Like that seems kind of passive. And you're just like, man, I want to be around people. I want to sing with God's people and serve with God's people. And, and I think we have a, a little bit different mix in the room, two lanes of those people. And, and the reality I was thinking about this morning is that some of you guys are neither one of those people and we are praying for you. Okay, some of you, y'all don't, you're like, I would rather not be by myself with God, but I also don't want to be around people. <laughs> it's, it's our last Sunday. You can be honest in church today, okay? It's a, it's a safe place, all right? Everybody relax. And here's the reality as we look at the Bible, though, is that we need both. And we need both kinds of people, but every single person needs to be a, a praying person, but also a people person on some level. And we see that biblically, right? We see texts like love God, but you also love one another, that, that, that spirituality gets expressed in community. And it's the same way with, with prayer, we're going to look at that today in James chapter 5 and see how, how God uses prayer and, and people. And we're going to see it in the text, but you see this in your life. Like anytime something significant in your life happens, like you go through a, an amazing victory, maybe you get a new job. And if, if you're just praying for yourself for that job, that's special and God provides that special. But if other people have been praying for you and they're checking in with you and they're asking what you're wearing for your first day on the job and they're like, bro, you look fly. I mean, I don't know how you're gonna do on the job, but you look good. Like that hits different, doesn't it? Because it's, it's prayer and people. When you're going through a difficult time and maybe it's really difficult and, and you need, like you're at the hospital and yeah, like there's prayer and you're asking God to heal you, but it's nice when a person shows up to the hospital. You see, even in 2023 with online services and HD and, and uh, the chat room and podcast and all those things, like a podcast can't come visit you in the hospital, but people can who God's using through the power of prayer through people. And we all, we all get this. I get this in my life. Like when my wife goes out of town, any parents in the room with me say amen to that? And I have all three kids and there's three soccer games and our church is unifying with another church down the street and relocating. And it's our last Sunday in this space. This is not hypothetical. This is happening to me right now. My wife is out of town. So pray for your pastor, right? But listen, I needed prayer this weekend, but also needed people. Some people brought my kids to church in second service. Can we just thank them? That's amazing. Yeah. 
Thank you, Vicaros, for bringing my kids to church. Right? We need prayer and people. And we all know this biblically, and we're going to see it in the text, but we all know it, it practically, right? And uh, I just have to say this, like, to my wife, I love that she's not here right now, okay? It was planned like a year ago, and she's experiencing a fun time with her friends from college. And so y'all don't shame her. Babe, I'm happy for you right now, even though it, it seems like I'm shaming her a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Don't shame my wife, okay? Prayer and people, right? we need both. We're gonna see it in our text. James 5, look at the text with me. James 5, 13 through 18. Let's read it together. Before we get to the text, I wanna give you the big idea right off the top. If you take notes, prayer is meant to point us to God, but if it doesn't point us to people, then we've missed God's point in prayer. Prayer is meant to point us to God, but if it doesn't point us to people, then we've missed God's point in prayer. Let's read it together. James 5, starting in verse 13, it says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. That big idea again, prayer is meant to point us to God. But if it doesn't point us to people, then we've missed God's point in prayer. If you look at that text closely, what you will see is pray or prayer exists six times in six verses. Like James is pretty blunt. If you read the whole book of James, you, you know that. He, he's making it obvious we should pray. And especially as we read this one specific passage, you should pray. Prayer should be a part of your life. And yet my experience with this passage has often been different. Instead of praying, many of us end up arguing over a passage like this. Because if you picked up on it, it talks about healing. And so many people will read this passage and debate, like, does God still heal people today? And is there still miraculous wonders like that today? Or was that just back then? And we'll read a passage like this. And instead of actually praying for one another, we will argue with one another. We'll think, how could you not think God heals? Or, or why would you think God heals? Like, that's kind of crazy. And we'll just argue instead of actually pray for one another. Uh, the other thing I've seen happen in my life, maybe you've seen it in your life, is we'll read a passage like this. And instead of praying, we'll spend time elevating people. When I was early on as a pastor, uh, uh, my wife's cousin got cancer. And she was 22 years old. It was uh, devastating news. And I still remember just being at the hospital and processing all of this news. And I, I was a pastor at this time, super young in the pastorate, but I, I was asked to pray. And so I prayed over Esther and I prayed over the, the cancer and I, mean, I, I brought it. Like I, I prayed as much as I could, as faithful as I could. And I remember walking outside into the waiting room and one of my wife's other cousins uh, said to me, she said, hey, do you know anyone with the anointing? To which I was kind of offended by. <laughs> like, do you not hear just that anointed prayer just now? 
Like, and she was, what she meant was like, well, no, do you know anybody with like this anointing gift of, of healing that we could kind of bring in from like TBN or like, you know, like, can you bring somebody in who's going to really fix this thing? And in that moment, it was, there was elevating other people and there was shaming me. And maybe you've experienced that not even as a pastor of like, well, if you really had faith, then maybe she would have gotten healed. If you really had faith, then maybe you would, would get healed. And it's, it's just so ironic to me that we can read a passage like this and, and it can leave us arguing or elevating or shaming instead of, of praying. And James, six times in six verses, is, is making sure you leave this passage praying, like actually praying and praying for other people. Praying for one another. We see it wrapped into this text. Look at it with me. Verse 14. If you are sick, call the elders to pray with you. Now, as I read that, I thought, why the elders? Why not the anointed healers? They're traveling around towns, raising people back to life. Why do you call the elders? Because the power of prayer is found in the people of God. You see, elders are people in the local church who you should know. They're leaders meant to care for you, to guide you, to equip you. That's who elders are. And the, the power of prayer isn't through some special anointed one on TV or far away. The power of prayer is in the people of God. It starts with the leaders even in your local church. We see it again in verse 16. Look at that verse. We see to pray for one another. He says it twice. It's repeated because it's important. We should read a text like this and it should leave us actually praying. When you leave today, you should be praying. When, you, when you're sitting there even listening to me now, you should be thinking about the people in this room you can be praying for. You should be thinking about the people down the street at Bethany Bible Church, experiencing their last Sunday as Bethany Bible Church. And that should stir in you. I want to pray for them. Let's pray. Let's actually live out what James is commanding us, what God is commanding us to do. The, the power of prayer is in the people of prayer. And if we get prayer, but we miss people, then we have missed God's point in prayer. We see it in the Lord's Prayer, this model for prayer that Jesus gives us. Have you ever paid attention? Some of you, you you've memorized that prayer, but we just kind of uh, recite it as a, as a cadence, right, as a motto. But have you ever paid attention to the plurality in the Lord's Prayer? Listen to it now. It says, our Father, give us, forgive us, deliver us. It's all about the people, not just one significant person. We see in John chapter 17 where Jesus prays some of his last words before he goes to the cross. And how many of you know some of your last words are your most significant words? And as you read Jesus' prayer in John 17, right before the cross, what's he going to pray for? He prays for unity amongst God's people. See, if we miss people in prayer, then we miss God's point in prayer. It's about the power of God's people 
praying before him and, and seeing them move in response to that prayer to care for, to love one another and even those people who are far from God who aren't part of the one another yet. You see, he, here's the, the brutal reality before us today. If we are not praying for other people, if we are not involving people in our prayers, then that prayer is just cold, dead religion. It's just self-talk because it's all about you. And what James makes clear, even with his example of Elijah, is it's not about one significant person. It's about the people of God and the power through his people. You see, that the reason James brings up Elijah is because they struggle with in their day what we struggle with in our day. Elevating certain anointed people instead of uniting with God's people in prayer. You see, in that day, Elijah was a superhero, right? James says it. He, he prayed for rain, and rain came. He defeated other, other little lowercase g gods in his prayers. And people in James' day, we can get it from the context clues, were probably elevating Elijah instead of fixing their eyes on Jesus and, and working with God's people through, through prayer. And so what does James say? He says, yeah, that, Elijah did that, but he's a man with a nature just like ours. Right? And so we're still trying to learn this lesson from James in 2023. The power of God is through the people of God in, in prayer. And so I had to ask myself this, this week, well, so why don't we pray and if you're anything like me, I think one of the honest answers to that is I, instead of praying, I, I enjoy complaining. Anybody with me? Nobody's going to raise their hand for that? Okay. Yeah. This is our last Sunday, people. Y'all got to loosen up, okay? Like instead of praying, I like complaining. Because if I switch from complaining about the people I don't like, about the people who annoy me, if I switch from complaining about them, to praying for them, well, then I start to like them. And so that's why I don't want to pray. Anybody else? Like, you know this is the way it works, biblically, but also practically. If you were to pray for that person at your job who annoys the crap out of you, if you were to just pray for him five days, I don't think you'd be as bitter towards him. If you were to pray for that politician, it's our last day. Why not? If you were to pray for that politician, I, I don't know that you would agree with that person anymore or any more than you do now, but I think your heart would see that person as Jesus sees that person, ultimately as a sinner in need of grace, whatever his side of the aisle politically happens to be. Amen? We're on the same page here? And listen, here's why we don't pray is because we know prayer works through God's people. We know prayer changes our heart for God's people. We know prayer doesn't stay stagnant. It's like love. It moves. If you pray for somebody, you will serve that somebody. If you pray for somebody you, like, who just had a baby, if you pray for them, you will bring them a meal because God will stir your heart to help you realize perspective that they don't have time to cook and they're trying to just stay alive. And God will stir your heart through prayer to bring them a meal and bless them in a tangible way. See, I think another reason why we don't pray, and I think a lot of us men, I'm looking at you and myself right now, we struggle with this. We think prayer is passive. 
We think in a crisis, like, okay, yeah, y'all have your prayer meeting. I'm gonna go do something, right? I experienced this yesterday and I'm thankful for it. We had our work day at the 7th Avenue campus. We have another one of those this next Saturday. I would encourage you to come. It's not just about serving, it's about connecting and God connects his people in a special way together as we serve him. And, but I just looked uh, yesterday and man, I saw some people with some muscles, like literally Spencer, who was here this morning. I was just like, dude, you got some muscles. And we need, thank you, like for digging out this flower bed. And like, man, it's just some people who are like, man, they can do some stuff. And maybe a lot of you in here, whether you got the muscles or not, you're a doer, not a prayer. And what I would say is, biblically, those are one and the same. Prayer is not passive, prayer is active. It always leads to action, it always has. We look in the Old Testament, a guy like Nehemiah, chapter one, it's, it's a prayer. It's a beautiful prayer, go read it. But the, the book isn't one chapter long. See, after Nehemiah prays, he rebuilds a whole city. His prayer leads to action. There's power in prayer with God's people as they come together and pray. We see it with Jesus Christ, the son of God. What does he do right before the cross and the resurrection? We already said it. What does he do? He prays. John 17, that's, that's what it is. It's a prayer. And right after that prayer, he does nothing. Right after that prayer, he just closes up shop. No. <laughs> right after that prayer, Jesus Christ beats sin, Satan, death, and the grave. Amen? Because prayer is not passive. It's powerful, and it's specifically power through God's people. I think it's so great that James writes about prayer in chapter five of his letter. James, the faith works guy, right? It's all about go do, do, do. But yet he, he closes out his, his whole letter with pray, 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 pray. Why? Is James like getting passive at the end of his book? James is active James. He'll tell you about it. He's not scared. His prayer leads to action, Right? And many of us don't pray because we're not sure. Does God work through the people of God, through the spirit of God in prayer? And I can tell you that he, he does. Okay. Even this place is a testimony to that. Okay. I mentioned this day is gonna be a little bit differently. And so I wanna, I wanna remind us as we close out this last Sunday at 4002 North 18th Avenue, of, of the power of prayer through God's people. Like we, we've lived this as a church. Uh, even the story of how we, we got here to this place. I think we have uh, June 3rd, 2018. I think we have pictures of that day. Yeah, that was pre-fence. Looked good, didn't it? We tried to fight to get that fence. Not, <laughs> uh, but it's good. It's safe for the kids. And um, that's our first Sunday in this place. And some of you who weren't here, you might think, well, like, yeah, we, we drew out on a map, like, places we wanted to target in the city, and, like, you know, this was, like, on that map, and, you know, we negotiated for six months with these guys, and we're able to lease this building. And some of you would be wrong. That did not happen at all. Uh, no, our story was different. It was soaked in the power of God's people through prayer. We were at uh, ASU Prep Academy on 7th Street in Fillmore, and God was growing our church and using love moves in and through people in that place. And on a Friday afternoon, uh, I got a phone call from the principal of that school, and she just said, hey, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but you guys can't meet here anymore. 
And I was like, well, we have services on Sunday. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, no, not this Sunday, but like six weeks from now. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's way better. I appreciate the six weeks. Um, and immediately, the way my mind works, if you know me at all, you know this, I'm scrambling, I'm solving, I'm figuring this thing out. Like the entrepreneur in me is like, let's go. Like the competitive nature in me, I'm like, okay, all right, do you think you can hold us down? Let's go find something better. And immediately my will started spinning of like, okay, this Sunday I'm gonna preach the same old sermon and then next week we're gonna hit the pavement as a collective leadership team and we're gonna go find a new space to meet in and it's gonna be better than this one and I'm gonna get back up the next Sunday and like the cape is gonna be like flapping in the wind <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, guys, God, like, like the devil's bringing us down but the best is yet to come and God's with us and look forward to the future and that was my plan. And then God convicted me of that through a personal friend of mine and just realized that's a stupid plan. And the plan that makes sense biblically and even practically, because prayer is powerful, is to stop and not scramble, not solve, but surrender to God. And I got up that Sunday and just said, hey guys, I don't know what we're going to do. Very encouraging to the body that day. I don't know what we're going to do, but um, we're going to get evicted in six weeks and uh, we're going to stop and pray. Every day at noon, we're going to pray and ask God to show up and provide a building. And so we did that. And let me just tell you, we, we made a list of like 15 places in the city to meet. We called one place, and it was the Jewish Historical Society. I don't think they would have let us meet there. I'm just, I don't know. And just praying... A friend of mine that I knew from a previous job called about this place and said, hey, Tim, there's an empty church building on Sundays and you guys should come over here and look at it. And I said to, to the guy at the time, Marty, I said, Marty, there's no empty church on Sunday. Like I've looked for it for years. They don't exist, right? It's the church planner's dream that never actually is realized. They, like that's what we're meeting in a school right now. He said, no, no, you gotta come look. And through prayer, God's power showed up in ways that we could not explain other than his miraculous power through the people of God in prayer. Amen? That's how we got, I mean, that, this is the story we've lived, is what James is talking about and what we are hoping to see in the future. And I just want to give you a few things that God has set in motion through the prayers of his, his people. Uh, just a few things we've seen in this space since June 3rd, 2018. One thing we've seen is just relationships, friendships. Like, I'm looking at some of you who are like really good friends and you didn't know each other before we came to this place. Some of you, you took it next level. You are married today and you did not know each other before we came to this place. And for some of y'all who are single, that should give you hope as we look forward to the new location. Who knows what God will do, Amen. Some of y'all are married. Some of y'all, like the babies in this place, uh, we tried to count. We've dedicated 50 plus babies from this stage. Some of y'all, you're like, Tim, I struggle with obedience and all of God's commands. The, the be fruitful and multiply one, you guys got it down, okay? You don't struggle with that. Some of y'all, this is beautiful. Uh, for some people, this is their very first church home. And but I, but that, I mean, like maybe you met Jesus and you showed up here on one Sunday, but by that I also mean like some babies were born here, dedicated here, and this is their first church home. And they're not crawling around anymore, they're walking around. It's beautiful. And it started with the powerful prayers of God's people. 
Don't miss that. Uh, We've seen sermon series is preached. Again, I'm not great with numbers, but I think 34 series, 10 books of the Bible, one entire gospel in this place. Uh, We've seen COVID cause this place to not be a gathering place, but a recording studio. They gave us time to figure out cameras and we gathered in the middle of this room and, and every week tried to continue to see love move out even through digital means. We've seen Christmas Eve, just personally as a pastor, Christmas Eve was always this weird Sunday for our church in particular because pastor friends of mine would say, oh, Christmas Eve, it's like Easter. It's like our biggest service of the year. And I just, I'd never experienced that because all of our congregation, a little bit on the younger side for Christmas Eve, they would go to grandma's church or their auntie's church. And it was so unique. Once we started doing this theater and the round version of church on Christmas Eve, this little bit different way of doing church, it was so unique to see people start to bring their grandma to to our church (laughs) and their auntie to our church. And just so many, some of you guys can picture those Christmas Eves and and that all started through the power of God's people through through prayer. Uh, We've seen prayer in this place. At the beginning of this uh, sort of, we remodeled this place. We had this uh, other carpet. We pulled it up and laid this new carpet. And before we did that, we had the congregation, the people of God, pray for people and write names of people who didn't know Christ under this carpet. So right now, under your feet, there's, there's names that represent prayers from a few years ago. And listen, y'all, some of those people, the names under the carpet, they got saved, met Jesus, and got baptized in this room power of God's prayer through his, his people. And that's, that's my favorite memory. People have asked me, what's your favorite memory in this place? It's baptizing all these different people, like baptizing somebody's wife who didn't know Jesus yet, baptizing somebody's daughter who had kind of walked away from the Lord, but, but came back baptizing somebody's friend or neighbor or coworker who they had been praying for, for years. And then and it's seeing in the different spots. We baptize people in a big tank right here down front. But we also baptize people behind the screen. Y'all, y'all don't even know. There's a baptistry back there. And then baptizing people most recently in a trough. And we've just gotten to see the power of God's people through prayer in this place change lives for eternity. It's been amazing. And here's the reality before us is that that continues because the church is not a building. It's not a place. It's the people of God, united by the Son of God, empowered by the Spirit of God. And that prayer and the power of prayer through God's people, listen, I can commit to you, that is one thing that will not change because there's gonna be some things that change, like our location's changing, there's gonna be more people. There's gonna be older and younger. There's gonna be people with different backgrounds. Like there's gonna be a lot of change. I'll just tell you that right off the top. Here's a couple things that won't change. I will disappoint you. <laughs> if, and you're thinking, no, he would never, right? That cape flying by, you just haven't been here long enough, okay? I will disappoint you, but here's one thing that's never gonna change as well. We will cling to an utter reliance upon the God of the universe and experience power through the people of God through prayer as we always have. The reason in the way we've even made this decision, I can confidently tell you, is through the power of God's people through prayer. That's why it's taken so long. 
That's why it's taken a year. That's why some of you got impatient. And it was just like, no, we, it's practical. There's wisdom, but it's also the power of God's people coming together through prayer. And you can't cheat time in that. And that's what will continue as we go to this new space that I think we have pictures of. As we go to that place, go to the next picture. As we're around these people, and like Christmas, that's Christmas Eve. As we unite together, we will still be the people of God. Experiencing the power of God through prayer and moving in response to that. Because that's what the church is. Many times in scripture, the church is actually called the house of, of prayer. And so we'll get to experience that next picture. This was the night of celebration where we had young and old, where we specifically designed every element of that night to involve people, not necessarily leaders, but the people, you, praying in different languages. It was amazing, singing in different languages, coming together. And listen, there's power in that. I've talked to several people from both congregations who that night flipped it for them. They were unsure, they were anxious. And after that night, seeing the people of God and the prayers of his people and the power of that, they said, hey, I'm in for that. Because prayer through God's people is is powerful, amen? And that's what's gonna mark our church for years and years to come. Some of you will share stories like I just got to share about four and a half years ago. Some of you are gonna share more stories, better stories than I could ever share five years from now because you were a part of this and you were praying and partnering with God's people. Do you believe that? That's what's gonna happen. And we're expectant for that. We're excited for that. At the same time, we're experiencing the real sorrow of, of leaving this place. So we're going to bring all that to a head and end in a unique way. We're going to take communion together. And we're going to take communion together as we're in this Pray First series because we're going to remind ourselves that the reason you have access to God, like, did you know this? The reason that you can pray to God anywhere, anytime without a mediator. Do you know why that is? It's not because of your religious resume. It's not because of your church attendance. It's not because of the sins you didn't commit or the righteous deeds you did. It is because, purely because, of the perfect person of Jesus Christ on the cross for you. That's why you can talk to God, the God of the universe, anytime, anywhere. So as we take communion, we're gonna remind ourselves and celebrate that truth. But we're also gonna celebrate the truth that God has built a family. See, one thing communion reminds us of is as we take the bread and we dip it in the juice or the, the wine is that Jesus's blood was shed, his body was broken to reconcile a sinful people to a holy God, but also to reconcile horizontally sinful people to sinful people. And even though we don't share a last name, that we get to share the name that is above every name in Jesus Christ. When you take the elements, do you know that? It's a family meal. It's how it started. Jesus at the Last Supper, he was around a, a table partaking in these same elements to celebrate union with God, but also union with one another. So as we celebrate and take communion together today, we're celebrating that in this room at the nine o'clock service, that spiritually you are united in a family of God that was wrought for you by the cross of Jesus Christ. And the, the people down the street that was wrought for you by, by the cross of Jesus Christ. 
Here's where I'll end and then we'll pray and take communion. Uh, Christmas Eve service, special service, an amazing time. Uh, And it was really special before the service started. I was in the front row and there was an older lady in her 70s, widowed, who was sitting in the front row before the service even started. And she was just bawling. And so I walked up to her and was talking with her and and I just said, hey, are are you okay? And she said, yeah, I'm great. And then those tears turned into a smile. And she just said, this is what I've been praying for for years. And what she meant was reawakening that place with the power of God's people in prayer with one another. And I wasn't crying at that point, but I cried this morning thinking about that moment, right? I mean, I had to hold it together because I had to preach Christmas Eve, but like that, that is on display the power of God's people who, who pray. So we're gonna remember that. We're gonna celebrate that even as we take communion. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, God, I do thank you for the power of prayer, the pr- power of prayer specifically with your people. God, I, I thank you for that in this room. I thank you for that just down the street at Bethany Bible Church. I thank you for the many prayers and many actions as a result of prayer that we'll, we'll experience in the coming years for all the stories we'll get to tell of you moving through your people in prayer. God, I thank you for the cross. God, I I pray right now in this moment that if there's anybody who hasn't given their sin and their life, their conflict with other people to you and met you for the first time and trusted you in faith for the first time, God, I pray that they would stop listening to me and they would start talking to you even now. And God, they would get to take communion uh, maybe for the first time. God, I pray for the the people in this room who already know you and maybe are experiencing some of that real sorrow today, leaving this place, maybe for other reasons in their life, but also the greater joy of what you're doing and what you will do. God, I pray that this uh, communion would remind us uniquely that we're part of a, a greater family, the family of God. And that was all wrought for us through the cross of Christ. God, we thank you. We praise you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen.